0: Five, four, three, two, one.
2: This is the Starship Sofa. Everybody, welcome. Welcome again to a Wednesday night's audio story night. Like I say, these stories are, will just be when and if I get them. Do you know what I mean? This so happens I've got quite a few at the moment, and they've all been kindly narrated. Tonight's story is by Pat Murphy called "Going Through the Changes." It appeared in the magazine of Fantasy and Science Fiction in the year 1992. One of my favorite years of science fiction. It's narrated by Summer Brook, Summer Brook of Kick-Ass Mystic Ninjas and everything with the Point Media. So please, let us know how you feel about it. Tell us, drop us an email. I got some great coverage and emails from the Bruce Sterling story and the David Brin story. Didn't we get picked up by Boing Boing and figures have just rocketed lately. So everyone who is new to the show, welcome aboard. On Saturday, it will be Olaf Stapledon. I'll be delving into him. And I've actually got some letters of his narrated as well. So that would be nice to kind of get a feel for the guy as well. You know, his kind of personal life and things that are going on there. So without further ado, it is time for a story.
0: Going Through Changes by Pat Murphy The wind tugged at Gretchen's raincoat as she stepped out of the restaurant. Halfway down the block, a sudden gust neatly flipped her umbrella inside out and drenched her with a cold blast of rain. She ran for the nearest shelter, a tattered awning over a door sandwiched between a pawn shop and a used clothes store. Her umbrella was a total loss, and the rain was coming down hard. She glanced at the door, hoping for a place to wait out the storm. Apparently, the door had once led to a dentist's office, The plate glass was decorated with a large, toothy-painted smile. But the dentist's name had been scraped off, and a hand-lettered sign had been taped to the inside of the glass. Through the gilt streaks where traces of the old lettering remained, Gretchen read, Dream vacations, travel agents of the imagination. Beneath that, in smaller printing, Vacation in privacy of your own mind. Take up to a week off in a single day. Ask about our special introductory offer. Her feet ached. She'd been on them all day, waiting tables, and her ankles were a little swollen. Her shoes were soaked. She was hungry, on a diet again, always trying to lose a little weight. She couldn't afford a vacation. Since she'd come to the city, leaving the little central valley town where she'd grown up for the bright lights of San Francisco, she'd barely managed to make the rent, let alone set any money aside. Still, it was a place to get out of the rain. Gretchen pushed the door open and climbed the narrow stairs to the second floor. The hallway smelled faintly of insecticide and pine air freshener. The carpet on the stairs had worn through to the threads. At the top of the stairs she opened a door marked Dream Vacations and stepped into a waiting room that she suspected had been furnished by the dentist who had left. Dark blue carpet, metal framed chairs with turquoise vinyl cushions, dog eared magazines in plastic covers. On the wood panelled wall Someone had thumbtacked a poster of a tropical beach. She almost turned around and left, but the rain was still coming down hard. At least the waiting room was warm. A door marked private opened, and a man in a white lab coat poked his head out. Hello, he said in a tone of surprise. A customer. He stepped into the waiting room with his hand outstretched. I'm Dr. Geary, but you can call me Ernie. He was a rounded sort of man, with a soft face and soft hands. No hard edges anywhere. Short, for a man, just Gretchen's height. His fine, white-blonde hair stuck out in all directions. The white lab coat he wore was too big for him, bagging at the shoulders and hanging untidily around his calves. He shook her hand eagerly and studied her face with a furtive air. You are a customer, aren't you? Yeah, she said pulling her raincoat around herself to hide her waitress uniform. "'I guess so. I saw your sign.' "'Of course, of course,' he said enthusiastically, still clinging to her hand. "'Well, you've come to the right place. "'I'm sure you'll want to try our introductory offer, "'a week's vacation for a bargain price.' He bobbed his head, and Gretchen noticed that his hair was thinning on top. "'A week's vacation to where?' she asked, "'trying to act like an interested customer.' Wherever your mind takes you, he said. Somewhere tropical, I suggest. He waved a hand at the poster on the wall. Warm waters, sandy beaches, all that stuff. Oh, it's lovely. She blinked at him, puzzled. Is that where you go? Oh no, not me. He ducked his head shyly. No, I go to a very private place. All my own. But you, you would find your own place, just as I found mine. If it's beaches you need, that's what you'll get. But you don't really go anywhere? Depends on what you mean by really. It's real enough. I guarantee it's as good as real. She frowned at him. How does it work? Oh, now, now. He clicked his tongue and shook his head quickly. Secret process of my own invention. Don't worry about all that. You don't ask how your car engine works, do you? You just know it gets you from place to place. You don't ask where the electricity comes from when you turn on the lights. No need to bother with all the technical details. He took her hand in his and patted it in an awkward attempt to be reassuring. You know, we only use a tiny portion of our brains. Just a tiny bit of all that's there. There's so much potential, just waiting to be tapped. My process taps that potential, releasing the power of your own mind. And then you'll be amazed what you can do. All I want to do is get out of the rain, she hesitated. But I really can't afford a vacation. I just came in because the wind wrecked my umbrella, and I was getting all wet. I'll tell you what, he cried, squeezing her hand and smiling at her. I'll give you a special discount, just $30 for your first vacation. You need a vacation, and I know you'll love it. I just know it. In her purse, she had just $30 in tips. She'd already paid her rent for the month. How long will it take? An hour, that's all. But you'll feel like you were gone for a week. Subjective time rather than objective time. She bit her lip, studying him. Are you really a doctor? His face fell, and he released her hand abruptly. Of course I am, he said in a hurt tone. Look right here. He gestured to a framed certificate on the wall. A diploma from Yale. He took a step back, squaring his shoulders so that they almost, but not quite, filled the lab coat. "'I'm sorry,' she said, feeling bad for him. "'I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I just thought—' She hesitated. "'You're just not like any doctor I've ever met.' "'People expect doctors to be cold,' he said sorrowfully.' I've never been a cold person. He shrugged and started to turn away. She wet her lips, hesitating. The rain was still coming down. She could hear it rattling against the window. What about the vacation, she asked. Can I still go? You want to? His grin returned. You can go right now if you want to. Oh, you won't regret this. You won't regret it at all. She counted out thirty dollars in crumpled bills and change, and he led her into the back room. Sit down, he said. Make yourself comfortable. He took her raincoat and hung it up, then gestured toward what looked very much like a dentist chair. When she didn't move, he patted her on the shoulder. Just relax. Sit here. She let him lead her to the chair. Moving quickly, he fitted a helmet to her head. Wires from the helmet trailed back to a cart filled with electronic gear. Which arm? Dr. Geary asked. Right arm or left? For what? She started to sit up. The injection. Don't worry, it won't hurt a bit. Okay, we'll make that left, he said without waiting for an answer. I didn't know there was an injection. What does it do? Just relaxes you. Nothing to worry about. He was swabbing her arm with a cotton swab. Easy does it. Gretchen felt the prick of a needle. There now, that didn't hurt a bit. Here we go. Gretchen tried to speak, but the drug was already taking effect. Her head felt very heavy. She lay back against the headrest and blinked at the ceiling. Dr. Geary's head swam into view, and he checked the wires that connected to her helmet. Gretchen tried unsuccessfully to focus on his face. Have a good trip, he said. Then his face disappeared, and the lights went out. Gretchen listened for the sound of retreating footsteps, but she could hear nothing. In the darkness, she blinked, waiting for something to happen. The smell hit her first. Warm, tropical air laced with the aromas of ripe fruit and flowers. She was lying on her side, and she felt something soft and damp beneath her cheek. She blinked, and her field of vision was filled with greenery. Her head was cushioned on a bed of moss, and she looked into a tangle of ferns and flowers. High above her, birds called from the treetops. Moving slowly, she turned over onto her back. She could see the birds flit from branch to branch, scarlet and yellow, like flames among the greenery. Vines as thick around as her wrist embraced the trees, climbing towards the sunlight above them. She sat up. The warm air caressed her skin as she moved. She was naked. She looked around. She was alone. There was nothing but trees and more trees. Pale green light filtered down through the canopy of leaves. She got to her feet and wandered through the jungle with no destination in mind. The moss was soft beneath her bare feet. In the green light, she felt as though she were moving underwater. "'made languid by the heat of the humidity. "'A flock of golden parrots burst from the lowest branches of one tree "'and then flew up into the canopy. "'A troop of monkeys chattered overhead. "'When they saw her, they howled, "'deep, wailing cries like organ music gone mad. "'Above them, high in the leaves, "'she could see spots of color dancing in the canopy of leaves. birds perhaps, or butterflies. "'She could not tell which.' For what seemed like the first time in a long time, she was happy. She climbed a tree, pulling herself upward on the dangling vines. The monkeys fled before her, swinging from branch to branch with whoops and great excitement. The tree they had abandoned was hung with ripe fruits that looked like smooth-skinned, pale pink plums. She sampled one. It tasted like raspberries with a faint touch of chocolate. She ate three quickly stopped to wonder about the calorie count, then laughed, realizing that she could eat all she wanted. It was a wonderful vacation. She slept in the treetops, wedging herself between moss-covered branches so she would not fall. On the first day, she scratched a mark on a moss-covered boulder with a stick. But when she went back to scratch another, she could not find the first. The moss had grown back to fill it in without a trace. Having no way to record the passage of days, she lost track of time. One day, she climbed higher in the canopy than she'd ever been before. For the first time, she could see the blue sky overhead, the tropical sun glittering on the broad green leaves. The jungle stretched as far as she could see in all directions. In the distance, great towers of greenery rose from the trees. She squinted at them, wondering what they could be. On a nearby tree, she saw butterflies the size of birds flitting among the bright blue blossoms that were as big as dinner plates. She made her way through the branches to that tree that was in bloom. She had to climb high among the branches that could barely support her weight, but she persisted, drawn by the perfume from the flowers. The insects were singing, a humming chorus that ebbed and flowed with the flutter of their wings. She clung to a branch and held out her hands to the butterflies. A particularly beautiful one, with wings patterned in turquoise blue and green, hovered beside her outstretched hand. She felt the wind of its wings, and she adjusted her grip on the branch so that she could lean closer. She felt a searing pain in her hand. In an instant of clarity, she looked down and saw a small blue caterpillar, as blue as the butterfly, crawling back to its hiding place in a flower. The delicate hairs on its back rippled with the movement of its feet. Her hand burned, and she could not maintain her grip on the branch. She tried to grab hold with her other hand, but suddenly she was dizzy, and she missed her grip. She was falling. Then she woke up. White walls. Dr. Gary's pale face. She blinked, trying to bring the world into focus. Something bit me, she muttered, as he took the helmet from her head. Some kind of caterpillar. A caterpillar, he said. How interesting. What did it look like? Bright blue, she said. I was watching the butterflies. She lifted her hand. A red spot marked the bite. It hurts. He nodded happily. It's all in your mind, you know. There are no caterpillars here. Isn't it amazing what your mind can do? Did you have a nice time otherwise? She nodded, rubbing at the bite and staring at the office around her. She was disoriented, confused. What time is it? Just six o'clock, he said. She frowned at her hand. It was already starting to swell. It really hurts. Dr. Geary took her hand and examined the bite. You have a very powerful imagination, he told her. Maybe an aspirin would help, she said. If you think it would help, then it will, he said. He brought her an aspirin and a glass of water, then helped her out of the chair. Now you come back and visit again, he said. Outside, the rain had stopped. The sky was gray. On the bus home, her hand grew red and puffy. Gretchen lived in a tiny basement studio apartment attached to a house on the edge of San Francisco's Mission District. The apartment was small and dark, but it was the only place she could afford. The back window looked out on the house's backyard, a small patch of struggling lawn and a few tired palm trees. By the time she got home, Gretchen could not bend her fingers. The skin of her hand felt too tight, too small to contain her flesh. Her knuckles disappeared in the redness. When she touched it, the skin felt hot.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: warming her fingertips, reminding her of the warmth of the jungle. But strangely enough, she felt wonderful, rested and energetic. She wrapped some ice in a kitchen towel and pressed it to the bite for a while, but she felt restless. Finally, she went out for a walk along 24th Street. The sun had set, and the street lights were on. It was raining gently, little more than a mist, but the air seemed warm. She wore her raincoat, but left it unbuttoned. "'flapping loose around her. "'This area of the mission had the feel of a foreign country, "'somewhere warm and tropical. "'The windows displayed Mexican blankets and Guatemalan embroideries, "'ceramic pots decorated with wild floral patterns, "'clothing in bright colors. "'She paused beside a flower store on the street corner "'and admired the deep red of the roses and the brilliant yellow daisies. "'Beside the buckets of flowers were some potted plants.' Several different kinds of ferns and flowers. One clay pot held a branch that was thick with purple orchids. A scarlet macaw watched Gretchen from the cage in the store's front window. The flower seller, a dark-haired woman, came to the door as Gretchen knelt to examine the orchids. "'I never noticed this store before,' Gretchen said. "'Did you open recently?' "'Recently, yes,' the woman smiled. "'The world is always changing.' Gretchen frowned. The woman's remark didn't seem to make much sense, but perhaps it was a Spanish idiom that didn't translate well. These orchids are beautiful. Do they take any special care? The woman's smile broadened. You would have no trouble with them. For you, they will grow beautifully. Gretchen carried the orchid plant home through the warm drizzle. Their scent, the aroma of soft greenery and rich perfume, reminded her of the jungle. She slept soundly that night and dreamed of walking naked among the trees. She woke early. A swelling in her hand had gone down, and she felt well-rested. She was very hungry, even after an enormous breakfast of fried eggs, toast, and orange juice. Near the corner where she waited for her bus to work, a produce store was just opening for the day. An old man and a teenage boy were chattering in Spanish as they arranged boxes of produce on wooden stands beside the sidewalk. Gretchen hesitated, listening to the soft babble of unknown words. Some of the fruits were unfamiliar. Strange purplish bananas, knobby green lumps the size of her fist, smooth-skinned plums that reminded her of the one she'd eaten in the jungle. She asked the old man what the plums were called, and he muttered something in Spanish that she didn't quite catch. She bought a bag of plums and ate one as she waited. It tasted just as sweet as she remembered. For the next week, she was happy, happier than in all the months she had been in the city. Her appetite remained enormous. Each day at dinnertime, she lingered in the restaurant and helped herself to the all-you-can-eat salad bar, where she took helping after helping of greens and garnishes. At home, she munched constantly on carrot sticks and celery. At work, she snacked at every opportunity, snatching discarded parsley from plates as she bust them, stealing lettuce from the salads as she took them from the kitchen. She gained weight, but that no longer bothered her. When she could no longer tug her pants over her hips, she went to one of the discount stores in the Mission and bought loose-fitting dresses with generous skirts that flared to accommodate her hips. She bought them in bright colors, a swirling pattern of red and black, vibrant turquoise, and a wild floral pattern that reminded her of the jungle. She bought more plants for her apartment. Like the orchid, they thrived. She left the heater on all day when she was at work. When she came home each night, she misted the plants, threw off her clothes, and reveled in the jungle heat. It seemed to her that the plants grew unnaturally fast. Within a week, the orchid plant had doubled in size and gained several blossoms. Outside her window, the palm trees were growing, too. At night, their stiff fronds rattled against the glass, as if they were eager to come inside. The weather continued to be unseasonably warm, and the TV weatherman blamed tropical currents and climatic shifts. This weather's weird, Josie, one of the other waitresses said. Way too warm. My houseplants are growing like crazy. I like it, Gretchen said. It's wonderful weather. She grinned out at the drizzle. You know, I've decided that I don't like the name Gretchen. I think I'm going to change my name. Yeah? Josie studied her. Well, now that you've started wearing those dresses, you don't look much like a Gretchen. I don't feel like a Gretchen. She considered the matter for a moment. Maybe Gabriella. Call me Gabriella. Gabriella? Josie shook her head. I don't know if you look like a Gabriella. That's okay. Call me Gabriella anyway. Josie shrugged. I don't know if I'll be able to get used to that. Sure you can, Gabriella said. She smiled, remembering what the flower seller had said. The world is always changing. If you say so, Josie said, giving her a strange look. Gabriella dreamed of the jungle. Once, when she chased a troop of monkeys through the trees, she could have sworn she saw Dr. Gary among them, whooping at her and grinning as he swung away through the branches. The next day she returned to dream vacations, her purse filled with tips. The sign was gone, and the door was locked. She peered through the glass, shading her eyes. She could see the staircase, the threadbare carpet, nothing more. She stepped back, frowning. The young woman from the used clothing store stood in the doorway, watching Gabriella curiously. What happened to that guy who was here? Gabriella asked. That dream vacations place. Gone, said the woman. She had four earrings in one ear and a diamond stud through her right nostril. Disappeared. She studied Gabriella thoughtfully. You're not the first one looking for him. Four guys in blue suits and a black car came by. Told me they were from the Food and Drug Administration. Maybe he skipped town. Gabriella shook her head. Why? I looked at his license. He really was a doctor. The woman shrugged. Complaints about some kind of illegal drug, maybe. You know him? Not really. Gabriella clutched her purse nervously. Just met him once. She turned away before the woman could ask her any more questions. That night, she dreamed of the jungle. For the first time, she headed toward the spires she had seen from the treetops, and found herself walking along a street in a ruined city. Moss had overrun the place, covering everything in a blanket of greenery. Beside the level path that she took to be the street, she scraped moss away from a section of curb, revealing red paint. A jungle creeper twined up a nearby no-parking sign. The trumpet-shaped flowers that hung from the vine obscured the red lettering. Parrots nested on the window ledges of the gray stone buildings. On one corner, a tree that was thick around as Gretchen's waist had broken through the street. Its roots had buckled the asphalt, and grasses had taken root in the newly formed cracks. She woke early that morning and went for a walk before catching the bus to work. The day was already warm. In cracks in the sidewalk, new green shoots were sprouting, tender young plants reaching for the sun. She stopped and plucked a shoot to chew on. She liked the fresh green taste of the new growth. On one lamp post, she noticed moss growing, the bare beginnings of a carpet of green. She stopped and ran her hand gently along, it, enjoying the way it tickled her skin. At the end of her shift that day, the restaurant manager, a tall, thin man who seemed to be perpetually on the edge of exploding with nervous tension, told her he would like to see her in his office. She followed him back to the room behind the kitchen. She knew she ought to be worried. The manager rarely had anything to say to any of the waitresses. But she felt calm, at ease with herself. She inspected him in a disinterested way, noticing a shaving cut on his cheek, a smudge on his tie, and a bit of loose string that clung to the tweedy fabric of his jacket sleeve. "'I've had some complaints about you,' he said. "'Um,' she said noncommittally, keeping her eye on the string that might have come from a parcel.' She couldn't really keep her mind on what he was saying. Something about the salad bar, something about a warning, something about expecting his waitresses to live up to a certain image. It was all quite vague. After a time, he stopped talking. Do you have anything you'd like to say, he said. You have a thread on your sleeve, she said. What? Right here, she said, boldly plucking the thread from his jacket. There. She tucked it in the pocket of her apron. He frowned at her. Gretchen, have you been listening? Oh, yes, she lied. Will you think about what I've said? Certainly, she said. Then, almost as an afterthought, I don't think you'll have to worry about all this much longer. She turned away. I'll be going now. See you tomorrow. She decided to walk home through the rain. She had never bothered to replace her umbrella. The fine drizzle did not bother her. In fact, she rather liked the soft touch of the water on her face, the delicate tickling as it ran down her cheeks. As she walked, she admired the foliage that had taken root in every crack in the sidewalk or street. She passed a road crew that was scraping the vegetation away and filling the cracks. "'It'll just grow back,' she told the workers. They stared after her when she walked on. As she walked, she kept watch for bits of string." Near a UPS office, she found a knotted mass of shaggy brown twine, which she stuffed in her purse. In the gutter beside a broken umbrella that flapped in the breeze like a wounded bird, she found a shoelace. She passed through Dolores Park, pausing only to snack on some tender shoots from a newly sprouting flower bed. In a shrub, she found a tangle of kite string. When she got home, she slipped out of her dress and prowled through the apartment restlessly. The air in the room was thick with the perfume from the orchid. The light from the window was filtered through the leaves of the ferns and palms. In a drawer, she found a thick, cable-knit sweater that she had bought at a flea market. A loose strand of yarn was dangling from the collar. She tugged on the yarn, and a few stitches unraveled. She pulled again. There was something satisfying about the feel of the wool in her hand. Rough, slightly greasy, and smelling of lanolin she wrapped the yarn about her hand when she was done she had a ball of yarn the size of her head she added the string and the twine she had collected sitting in the window under the palm tree and patiently untangling the knots over the next week she collected loose threads the string from the packages bits of twine in the restaurant she was aware that the manager kept watching her and frowning she ignored him having more important things on her mind She walked home each day from work, scavenging for string. She did not buy string. It was more satisfying to find it piece by piece. By the end of the week, she had a ball of string so big she could barely circle it with her arms. Looking at the ball of string made her feel strong and protected. On Friday, the manager fired her. He called her into his office, gave her a paycheck, and said that she needn't bother coming back on Monday. ''That's okay,'' she said. ''Just as well. The world is changing.'' She glanced at a startled face. ''Time for me to go. I have lots to do.'' She walked home through the rain. On the TV news that night, the announcer kept showing the road crews that were trying to keep the streets clear of plants. They were using blowtorches and herbicides, but the plants just came back. That night, she came down with a mild fever just enough to keep her tossing and turning in bed. For once, she wasn't hungry. The thought of food made her feel ill. She felt confused and disoriented. When she slept, she dreamed of the jungle, the scarlet feathers of a macaw, the impossible green of the foliage, the heart-stopping blue of a flower. She woke early in the morning. When she went to brush her teeth, her mouth felt peculiar as if her teeth were too big or her lips had changed shape, as if the parts no longer fit together as they once had. She felt restless and ill at ease in the small apartment. She paced for a while, feeling itchy and uncomfortable in her own skin. Finally, she opened the window. The blast of fresh air that blew in carried the smell of greenery. She set the ball of string beside her bed and lay down. She started at her feet moistening the string with saliva and wrapping the damp strands neatly and loosely around her ankles. The saliva bound the strands together, and she marveled at how natural this felt. Of course it felt natural. It was natural. She knew that. She worked her way up her body, creating a woven shell that was just large enough to contain her. She took one last look at the apartment. Her rent was paid through the end of the month but she did not think that change would take that long. By the time she was ready, the city would have finished changing too. She sealed the cocoon closed from the inside and relaxed in the warm darkness. She would fly away on the evening breeze, floating high over the jungle on her shimmering wings. She smiled in the darkness, waiting for the inevitable changes.
2: hope you like that. Thank you very much for listening and please come back again and don't forget if you would like to be kind enough to drop a donation in the Starship Silver Fund, that would be fantastic. You can go on the website and there is a a monthly donation or just a one-off donation, that would be great. Like I say, plenty more stories to come. I have got... A stack of stories. I've just getting a gentleman called Steve Aylett. Has anyone heard of him? Michael Moorcock praises this guy tremendously as well. So I've getting a couple of stories off him and Gwyneth Jones, I've just getting some stories off her as well. I've got plenty of stories to come in the future, so please Wednesday nights, sometimes Thursdays, it's always story time. Don't forget the work is the authors, it's not mine. So no copyrighty kinda messy about y. Our show is a Creative Commons license 3.0 share and share alike like I say drop emails tell us what you thought of the story i would really love to hear from you just say hello tony see how things are going and i will see you saturday or sunday just like I say good night from me
1: will our heroes survive this terrible ordeal can they win through in their integrity unscathed can they escape without completely compromising their honor and artistic judgment? Tune in next week for the next exciting
0: installment of Starship Sofa, a valuation procedure machine. Shuttle set for watch. Airlock will be opened in three, two, one.